Well, there seems to be a lot of considering going on coming into this episode. Oh, yeah. Well, this is a this is a fun episode because here on Movie Schmovie, yes, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. what you're listening to right now. That's right. We've uh, come together to talk about the worst that the year of 2016 has given us mm-hmm. at the cinema. <laughs> Sounded like really proper, proper, and these movies don't deserve that much. Uh, but yeah, so we've seen a lot of good movies. We talked about it across the year, but we've also kind of noted a few horrible ones. Yes, and uh, so now we get to get together and kind of just shit on them a little bit. Cool. Like as if you one of you held them down, <laughs> and then we each just took turns shitting. Actually, I want to get to that. Uh, me too. A, qu- a like, question about that aspect of that, not just taking a shit, mm-hmm. but a question I have about that. But before that, we should we should tell people who we are. I'm John. I'm Ron. And I'm Steve. And yeah, this is that time where we, I guess, the, my question I have for you guys, which is directly related to this episode we do, the worst of mm-hmm. yeah. the year, um, which let's just go ahead and say we, we actually made a command decision that this episode should come out on Inauguration Day yeah. so that if people are feeling down... <laughs> And they just want to wallow in that feeling a little right, bit more right. that they can join us here and, and maybe talk about something a little bit less serious than the future of the world being in trouble and maybe right. just talk about some filmmakers yeah. whose, whose ideas or careers might be in trouble <laughs> based on the movies we saw. Gotcha. Um, but uh, what do you think the value is of of like exploring that negativity, of, of saying which the worst movies of the year are, and do you think movies are sort of intrinsically good or bad, or do you think that's also subjective that, um, that you know, like calling a movie bad is almost unfair? Um, I, don't, I don't know that I feel like it's unfair. I mean, I feel like a lot of effort goes into making a movie, so there's something to be said about the fact that you got it done. Right. Anyway, like... I don't make movies, so yeah. I'll give you the kudos that you actually got something done. Yeah, absolutely. But just like there is with any other terms of like product, whether it's your work effort for your job, like doing IT or doing you know sound design, whatever it might be, like you're still accountable for what the product you're putting out is. Like you're right. doing it, which is impressive. And especially filmmaking, it's not something that everybody does or can even do. Yeah, anything we talk about on this show has crossed that Absolutely. bar. Absolutely, exactly. Of, or has reached that bar of, uh, I don't know if you reach or cross a bar. What do you do with a bar? Uh, you, uh, I think maybe, let's go with like, you reach, you, uh, <laughs> reach across. You passed that bar? You passed you, it. Yeah. I don't know, you did something with it that... Like a lawyer who repeatedly takes the bar when you finally <laughs> pass. No, but anyone who's made a movie has already achieved that. There's yeah, a way yeah. of saying it. It's an I just porky pigged it. I right, came up with right. a different way of saying the thing <laughs> I didn't know how to say. Um, but um, yeah, so we're 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 admitted. We're just coming out and saying that yeah. that's a that's a presupposed thing that if you've made a movie, we're, we've tipped your, we've tipped our hats absolutely to the fact that you've made a movie. Yeah, then the rest of it's all fair game. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, you're, you're doing something that not, none of us really do on a regular mm-hmm. basis. So immediately you're in a you're playing in a, a sandbox that we like. Yeah. Pretty much envy a little bit. I mean, at yeah. least for me, I can speak that like we envy. watch from afar yeah, and think and about like, all day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, like wow, lists. that's that's awesome. Like <laughs> that's a cool gig. That said, you know, we have the right to our opinion, and yeah. as does anybody that pays to see your movie or go see your movie or however mm-hmm. they see your movie. So I mean, hopefully, people have a little bit of a thick skin about it and can take some criticism because. Um, there were some pretty bad movies this year. Well, that's that, the reason I asked that is that our, our friend of the show, Bob Rose, sometimes will will tease me about saying movies are good or bad as though that's the binary, that they're going to fall on one side of that line. Sure. And I think we all know that it's, it's our own definition of what makes a bad movie. But I, I would say all the movies that I'm prepared to talk about tonight are movies that I think have something 
toxic or infectiously bad about them. Like something bad that I don't want to see repeated in other films. I kind of let that be my my standard. Not just, you know, because there's a lot of incompetently made movies that I probably didn't even see that would be much worse technically right. than the movies that I have on my list. All the movies I have were released by a studio or released by some major service. So they have that much going for them. They're in focus, uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And you don't see boom mics hanging down into the frame and everything. So, like, there's a certain quality level they all have, and yet they miss the mark. What, what do you think makes a movie not just bad, but bad enough to mention uh, for you, Ronald? Um, it's poor, poor execution of, like, if, if there's a theme, is a, is, is a story being told well? Is a dialogue natural sounding? You know, it's, it's things like that. Um, a lot of the times at this point, most movies look pretty beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, like, there's a lot of crap that that's yeah. nicely done. So I, I guess it's it's really the content, how the story comes along, how mm-hmm. it builds. Is the theme clear enough? Is it you know that I think about things like that more, mm-hmm. which I didn't really do when I was younger. Like good stories, kind of transcend. You know, is is this this is this going to stand the test of time? Is it going to you know, right. and if it's not, is this one, this is like a hot take that they're doing in the moment that's not really going to last. I think about that, too. Mm-hmm. And it feels like there's just a lot of fast food when it comes to movies. Because people know they can get a, a dollar or getting a bunch of stars together. and Yeah, so. So, yeah, I think you kind of just hinted at something that I've been noticing is that movies that have a lot going from, for them and are still dull. Mm-hmm are, are going to get my ire much more than Absolutely. a movie that is like a scrappy little shoestring thing that, that, that might not have hit whatever target it's trying to hit, you know? Yeah. You see a lot of these movies that have, you know, big names in them. I know early in the year we were making fun of uh, Nine Lives, the <laughs> Kevin Spacey turns into a cat film. And it's like, that's got Kevin Spacey and Christopher Walken, guys who might not be at the height of their career, but they should at least be able to turn down a script, yeah. you think. Um, you think, right. and that also I think directed by Barry Sonnenfeld. Am I yeah. right about that? Yeah. So that's a little Jennifer bit of a How the Mighty Have Fallen kind of. Movie. Although Sonnenfeld's now doing like the Lemony Snicket series on Netflix, right. which actually is pretty good. It's pretty I'm, good. I'm, man. I'm into it. I haven't seen it yet, but I have yeah. to say, when I found out that he was doing it, it's it's a perfect marriage of oh. like subject matter and and his particular gifts. So, yeah. but either way, yeah, just just having good people working on it doesn't make a movie good. No way. No so. way. We're going to be talking about our favorite movies of the year soon. Those movies we've all said we feel really strongly about some of those movies being great. Do you feel like the movies that you're talking about tonight are especially bad? Like, do you think this was a particularly bad year for bad movies as well as a good year for good movies? I I don't know. I don't know (laughs) that it was any different year to year, like, or year over year, like, in terms of how bad I felt about these movies. I do think that the three movies that I picked for the uh, podcast tonight are, like, representative of, like, what I hate most about when a movie does go bad. Ah, you know what I mean? Like, and, and those are like, uh, what do you call it? The, uh, like heavy handedness, Mm. um, a bloated script, Mm -hmm. um, you know, like, uh, like Ronna was alluding to like a cash grab. Um, you know, it just like, it it hits a lot of those little bullet points that really drive me nuts. Cause sometimes a movie can come out and be all three of those things, but still end up being a good movie. Mm -hmm. You know, if it's tempered enough that it can exist in the film and somebody could pick it apart and, and criticize those things. But at the end of the day, it may just be mediocre and could also still be good. I mean, there's some movies that I really like that may be on my, you know, favorite list in a couple episodes, but there are things I could easily say, like maybe one of those things felt like a cash grab or maybe mm-hmm. one of those things felt like a little too heavy handed, but I still love that film, you know, mm-hmm. but these three are not that. <laughs> um, and, you know, 
all three of them hit, you know, a handful of, of little checkpoints that like really, um, I'm like kind of aware of going into movies of, of this kind. Mm -hmm. And, uh, a lot of it, sometimes you can feel even from trailers and you hope that maybe it's like, even if you're like talking shit about it, you're like, maybe I'll go in and be surprised. Cause too mm -hmm. often now we go in like with such high expectations that we're more often let down than shocked in, in, in a positive way. Yeah. But well, we are pre-sold so many things yeah. that are like manufactured to a degree where you won't even know, you won't know how you feel about it maybe until right. you've given it some time. But some movies you see them and it just feels like, um, well, I don't want to say, but there was yeah. a movie that we passed around the trailer uh, earlier this year that we were like kind of joking about whether it even looked like a real movie right and it seemed like it had such big stars that aren't in trouble in their careers that we were uh we were very confused and then as it came out i didn't end up seeing this film but i'm hoping somebody has it on their list i think it's on my list <laughs> because i'm I pretty find, sure it's on my I list i find that film that sounds like such a hilarious weird bait and switch between the commercials and what the movie may have been so oh. all right maybe we'll I get think to that. maybe I, if i'm thinking of the same yeah. one you're thinking about mm. but well do you want to get us started tonight well Steve? i want to i want to reserve the one that i think you're recalling uh, okay for the, the later <laughs> of my pick one of my later picks. <laughs> the first one, I'll throw one out there. I've mentioned it before, and this is kind of the epitome of like one of my humbug recently, which is like the unnecessary decade-old comedies. Mm -hmm. And of the many that there were this year, and like I could pick any of them, but the one that really got up my crawl the most was Zoolander 2. Oh my Jesus. Because... This one of my picks. Yeah, yeah, okay, so you can jump in here. Like, it's just the kind of thing, like, it was early in the year, and immediately like just kind of set me on this bad vibe about knowing that there were more comedies coming out this year that were going back to this like well of nostalgia slash comedy slash you know success whatever it might be like bad santa came out and um we're being robbed that sounds like <laughs> um you know this this movie came out you know there was a lot of marketing for it like when they were filming at fashion week and then you know i was like oh this is kind of interesting kind of kind of cool fun but Zoolander's like a movie, as we've talked about plenty of times, that like definitely grew. If anybody hears those noises, we've commented about the noises before, and yeah. then when I play them back, they're barely audible okay. on the recording. So if people can hear these, what sounds like somebody trying to break through the floor above us, <laughs> that is my dog running around on the hardwood floors, and there's no insulation between the, the basement oh. where we record and the upstairs. There so it is. He may calm there down in a minute. If not, I'll go do something okay. about it. But, um, but this is probably for nothing, because when I play this back, I'll be like, why did I say anything? You yeah, just but it's, still, like, it's good to let people know <laughs> yeah. uh, in terms of... Of the transparency that we provide. What's a little listeners. bit of that slice yeah. of life thing? Yeah, I think people come to this show for a little bit of that. What's going on at the house? What are, yeah. they, what are they wearing? What are they drinking? Um, where was I? Oh yeah, Zoolander just, too. Just, just and the, the sort of pre-hype. Yeah, the pre-hype. You know, they, they they did a lot of like long lead stuff to kind of get the buzz for this film to build, and I think they did a pretty good job with the marketing for it. But I, it was one of the more recent times, like going into a comedy. Like I've had conversations recently about with people about like. A genuinely good comedy that you've seen, yeah. flat out comedy, not like a dark comedy, not you know, not like a comedy drama rom com, straight up comedy. And I kind of felt like Zoolander was going to be like, I kind of felt going in that wow, this is going to be like really funny, like yeah. I'm really excited for this comedy. But I mean, five minutes in, you can just feel, I, I could just feel it not working. Yeah, you know these like recycled jokes, recycled gags, jokes that felt dated, like yeah. that weren't even not not even necessarily recycled jokes from the first Zoolander, but like um, having like Justin Bieber in the in the movie, like it did nothing for like I feel like the audience that would have appreciated Zoolander too. Yeah, I mean, I know that it, it played into the big plot they were going for, but like it was a huge letdown, um, a huge financial bomb 
critical bomb, critical bomb, sorry. And uh, it kind of set the year off for me on being a real, you know, shitty year for like <laughs> any good, true, truly good comedies. And uh, the fact that we've talked about before, like these, like, however they're categorized, like these sequels of like, like literally a decade old film. Yeah. You know, yeah. if not longer. It's just a weird thing to me. That gag of like, well, we all want to see just something bad happen to Justin Bieber. That in and of itself felt like something from from five years ago Absolutely. or something. It feels like they just took like a bunch of, I think the internet versus real life is very different in sure. a way. Like, so you might read a bunch of really anonymous, bad anonymous tweets about Justin Bieber. But I think in general, I don't know if everybody feels as strongly about certain things. Mm -hmm. So, like, you might feel indifferent about Justin Bieber. Right. You know what I mean? Right. It, it might not be hate. So seeing a person that you feel indifferent about being killed isn't a funny joke. I right. mean, especially if you, you know, it, it's all right to just be okay with somebody. Like, it's, I think it's it's really very, it's a, it's a misdirection to think that, Every person has these really strong, hateful views on yeah. things. And fat people, no, first and foremost, I don't like that term. But, like, the, the fat jokes in it mm -hmm. and stuff like that just felt very off-color. And I, I didn't think it was done really well, especially if we're at a point where, like, body shaming and stuff like that isn't, like, really a, a cool thing anymore. Like, it right. used to, you know what I mean? Some things don't pass quite the way that they used to. Since you guys both yeah. actually doubled up on Zoolander, I'll mention another a second part um, that may be now viewed as an unnecessary part. Uh, uh, I want to call out Jack Reacher, Never Go Back. Oh, man. I thought this was a pretty bad movie. <laughs> yeah, it was very boring. Um, not that the first one was great, but the first one had this this energy, this we I think the word '90s came up a million times yeah. when we were talking about it. Just this '90s throwback energy and movies that I don't even remember that fondly necessarily. Mm. But but it, the the streamlined here's a badass who's gonna fight five guys at once, and um, he's always gonna have the right one liner for the situation. And Tom Cruise kind of playing a slightly more misanthropic spin on his usual amped up heroic character. Mm. Um, it you know I was just primed for this sequel to be a really fun yeah. return and like okay now give me a series <clears throat> of these movies you know and it felt like I mean I, I guess I can see on paper why they thought they had what they needed mm -hmm. but looking at the movie it just feels like it's missing any of the humor any of the kind of self awareness any of the sort of um, like cool close quarters fight choreography that yeah. the first one had. And the fact that it's directed by Edward Zwick, yeah. who has, I guess he's done a little bit of action. He did Last Samurai, and he's done a couple things that, um, you know, that have a good visual kind of kinetic quality to them. But I think of him as the 30-something guy, and I guess another generation of television viewers will think of him as the my so-called life guy. Right. So to me, the fact that you got Zwick and his, and his uh, co-producer and I think screenwriter Marshall Herskovitz to, like, write this, it's like... It feels like the wrong team for this material. I'm not mm -hmm. saying they couldn't have knocked it out of the park, but looking back, it does seem like, well, getting someone who really excels at a kind of uh, uh, naturalistic drama mm -hmm. or melodrama even yeah. is trying to make this kind of fun, slightly over-the-top action thing. I just don't know that it was quite the right team for yeah. it. I guess Chris, Christopher McQuarrie directed the first one, and yep. he's moved on to working with Tom on the Mission Impossible films. I think you needed that Christopher McQuarrie. We needed someone with that 
quality yeah. on this movie. Just someone who was going to be able to breathe any freshness, any life, any humor into this. What what when you present the dull version of it is just really tired material like this really felt like one of the first movies where i was like going man tom cruise is aging like he really seemed like he, he was, did he looked old yes. and kind of puffy and i got, i found myself thinking about this, this kind of like um it was after around the time you guys uh had gone to see uh live by night okay mm. the ben affleck movie which sounds like a pretty mediocre yeah. effort in a lot of ways and then around the same time, uh, Two Passengers was out in the theaters, and it was getting some negative reviews. Or this is just on the heels of Passengers getting out and getting negative reviews, and this kind of people saying, maybe we've had enough of Chris Pratt at this point. you know. Mm. And I was just wondering, are we? is there this kind of leading man, this kind of like mediocrity that we don't notice because the material is so solid, but that when one of these guys is in a kind of dull film, you kind of get tired of their shtick at some point? Or sometimes right. it's just not a very flattering view of their shtick? I don't know. Did you see Never Go Back? Well, uh, no, and you should. The reason I didn't. <laughs> the reason I didn't is, I don't know if you know that WWE has been picking up properties that did okay in the movies and making sequels with wrestlers in it. Mm-hmm. The trailer looked exactly like one of those movies, and there's something about the rhythm of the the trailer that was like, giving away too much. I was like, this looks terrible, yeah. and I really enjoyed the first one. It yeah. wasn't. Uh, it wasn't an excellent movie. No, but it, it was, was just a fun movie. It's a cool, what I like to call an HBO movie. You know when you turn HBO and it yeah. or a cable channel and it's on, you're like, I'm going to watch the shit out of this. I'm, right. I'm not doing anything else and it's fun enough. Or, and this one didn't look fun. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I skipped it. Well, it's like the, a good example of the, how sort of dull this film is, is that they have a huge portion of it set in uh, New Orleans and it feels like they didn't find anything interesting to shoot about that city uh, now i know they must have had money i know they must have gone into the city with like they went to some real locations yeah. it, but you don't get that sense of that you know right. like this really felt like when you like a a, a low budget kind of direct-to-video yeah. action type thing this almost had that feel to it and they were trying to do something interesting by by introducing this uh character played by kobe smulders who was kind of a a female spin on yeah. jack reacher but i just don't know that like any of the chemistry they were going for really really quite clicked Right. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if a if a better screenwriter could have made this better, or if it was really the direction being kind of lackluster, or if it was just a paint by numbers project for everybody. But that's what it felt like to me, and it really did start getting me angry at that kind of like, <laughs> like the fact that I think I mean I don't know if the budget, well, maybe I could find that quickly, but I think <clears> it was you know it's not super expensive films like the first one. It's like thirty to forty something like that maybe. Okay, mm. well, so this one was sixty million. Oh wow! And and box office it made one hundred and sixty one. And then, Globally, uh, I guess so. Yeah. And then the first one was also sixty million, and it oh, made wow. two hundred and eighteen million. So, not super. I not, mean, definitely, like, definitely underperformed. Yeah. But, wow, I can't believe there's sixty million budget. That's like doesn't look doesn't look like a sixty. I don't million know. To me, Mm-mm. it looks like fifteen. <laughs> I can't even think of like 10. a big set piece in the in the. It's second a very one. like not action action movie. With a totally like even the scene when he's villain. in that warehouse, like fighting the four guys at the same time, mm-hmm. like the choreography of that action fight was like so slow, and it just felt like it was just yeah, it was really <laughs> sluggish. But also, isn't the warehouse fight like the ultimate in laziness when it comes <laughs> it to is, like man. low budget action? It is really like is. It, the, the the next best thing is like at the docks. 
Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anywhere, where, anywhere where you have down. piles of crates and <laughs> yeah. boxes and a hook on a chain yep. and stuff like that. But that's like that. the world this these movies, or this film like lives in, though. Even yeah. John Wick, the first... I mean, John Wick. I'm thinking John Wick. I was about to say, put John Wick in the I was warehouse. Gonna well, say no, but John, John Wick, Wick is an example of doing all this really well. I'm saying, put John Wick yeah. in the warehouse and there, there's a good yeah. fight sequence. Th- this is... But yeah, Jack Reacher, sorry. Jack Reacher. John Wick, man, it, it does things in the action movies that you didn't... It's like... If somebody was trying to shoot a person, they'd walk towards them as quickly as possible and shoot them right in the face. Yeah. And John Wick does that like crazy. Mm-hmm. I love and this, it. Yeah, it's 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 it, it's like things you would think to do. Like I would I would do that if I were an action star. It, it feels a lot like these like all these like references like nineties like these these yeah. like I don't want to say B level but you know oh, like yeah, the I video like the Van Dams and like yeah. oh, even geez. you know th- those kinds of like action movies. It feels like those movies, but like done way better yeah and like with real like fight choreography and like gun choreography like uh, like speaking of john wick but like the world that like the jack reacher films just lived in i think what made the first one work so much was that like it wasn't too over the top Mm -hmm. it was kind of like a it just felt like a blue collar action movie Mm -hmm. and And it had some crazy touches like like Werner herzog playing the villain and all that like little things that made it feel like it was a little aware of itself yeah Mm. Yeah, I agree though. It was pretty big. I actually like walked out of that movie. Oh, you did. I walked back in after I went to the bathroom. But you were. But then I wanted to walk out again. <laughs> like, I'm done with this shit. It was fucking boring. It was very misleading. <laughs> I totally walked out of that movie. And then it, I walked back in yeah. after taking a piss because I wasn't getting a signal. I had to t- check my messages. And then I went back in. I hope I didn't miss anything because it was pretty good. But <laughs> I feel like I probably missed nothing important. No, but I mean, like I think you know. I think we would be we've we've talked a lot about how Tom Cruise invented sci-fi. We we give he's a lot done of so much. <laughs> we give a lot of air to how his particularly in action films, how he's kind of a fun guy to watch. And this yeah, this movie just did not have much I still believe offer. that. Like I know what you're saying. I, I still too. believe that. I think this movie is just a, a miss. I feel like it's just a honestly, miss for everybody. I think it's a, I think the direction and like was a was a mismatch. I think it was like a bad pairing or whatever, like mm-hmm. how that all came together. I think. Uh, how does that happen? I don't though, know. For sixty million, know. with Tom know. Cruise being such a career-minded person, right. how does how does he make a tepid? Yeah, this is like a star. I think this is like a stopper for like a franchise. Yeah, yeah. I think for sure. Even I mean, I'm surprised it was one sixty is what it made. I know. I'm surprised too. That really. I'm surprised that me. it made that well. I mean, it's still sixty million less than the first one made, but it's like that's you know, still a yeah, that's still a good return. Yeah. yeah. But so theoretically, if this is a if if people overseas are digging this that much, I mean, there could be a third one. Could be. But would Tom? I guess. Would he I do guess, it? Is Tom Cruise in that point in his career where he's going to start making these not these almost like knockoffs of his own types of movie? You know, that would be a strange should, thing to see. He should not do that. I don't think he should either. Uh, Ty, what's his name? Taylor. Ty, Taylor. What's the guy from um, the Vampire series? Taylor Lautner. Yes, he should be him. You mean in like a direct-to-video ones? Mm-hmm. They should make Jack Reacher. Because what, what he's with Taylor Lautner. You talking, talking about somebody that that was supposed no, to be on the, up, the upswing. People, I think people were expecting a lot from him. In no, there. I don't think I did. No, I could tell that people like were, Hollywood thought under they had fifteen something years for, old. But they were though. Like they like you know his breakout role. In Didn't this, he get like one action movie where yeah. he was like a man with a past kind of thing? I'm sure he did. He was like a. Right. He was kind of like a. An agent, yeah, like a sleeper agent yeah, who's who shite. Has, the movie was shite. Yeah. I couldn't sit through it. But I mean, I remember when that came out, and I was like, "Oh, they may as well have called it the We're trying Taylor Lautner now. Stop movie. trying to make Taylor you know? Lautner happen. <laughs> Stop. Stop it right now. Stop. All right. So one of the worst of the year for me, Jack Reacher. Never okay. Get back. 
So do you also pick Zoolander 2? Yeah. Okay, so throw another one out. Okay, throw so... Your, throw your um, two out or whatever. All right, so um, I have a really hot take, but I'm not going to say... I'm going to save that one. Okay. Um, but Nina, um, I don't really want to talk about this for a long time. Okay. It is It is blackface for a black person, which is crazy. That is nuts. They could have just picked somebody that could... That looked a lot like her. It's they could have. They could have picked somebody like Viola Davis, who looks similar to Nina Simone. Maybe had some vocals from somebody else. Right. I'm just saying, like the idea of making a person darker that is of <coughs> Hispanic descent, it just, it just is real crazy. And someone who was and physically isn't... painted green in her last major role. Yes. you know what I mean. Like, yeah. right. And blue in a different film. So yeah, it's like Zoe Saldana goes for the fa- yeah. for the face paint. But no, I yeah. I didn't. I actually kind of stepped into that one myself, not knowing the importance of that. But then when I started reading up on it, and I found that like one of the reasons why, and I guess I'm telling you something you already know, but like one of the reasons why this was particularly odious to people, or was because. Her her black her darkness was was part of Nina Simone's yeah. like image. She and talked her about beauty it constantly, yeah. and and her self image. Right. So like the fact that they would not, I mean, again, it's like it's not all about matching things up, but like yeah. the fact that they wouldn't even look at this pool of great actresses that have dark skin, and, and like also her whatever voice she was taking on oh, felt like an impression. Yeah. It felt yeah. like a it's like oh what am I doing? Here? I didn't see it's the film, but the trailer was like it. very odd to watch. Yeah, is, I felt wrong watching that trailer. It's bad, yeah, it's really bad. Like it like, didn't feel like a big movie. No, it's another one that felt like what are they like? Who financed this? Who made no, this? It was right. bad. So. I honestly didn't even remember that had come and gone. I that that was a movie yeah. that had like a huge kind of pre lash once the trailer came out, and I don't know that it was ever gonna. Yeah, I mean, I wonder how people feel when that happens to their movie when like. <sighs> When they can just see that, like, okay, the people that might have gotten behind this, yeah. like fans of Nina Simone, are almost to a person saying, "What the hell is this?" You yeah, know? it's putting putting <clears throat> fake noses on people. And... Well, was it you who said you didn't know Nina Simone was a Klingon? <laughs> yes, <laughs> I didn't know. She lo- they put a nose on her, man. They put a nose on her. They're like, your nose is not wide enough. <laughs> did that bad. open in theaters, or yeah. was it like a V? Oh, did yeah, for a little bit. Yeah, I, it's yeah. amazing like what that kind of like backlash before she it comes reacted, out. Yeah. Like and she reacted terribly to it. Yeah. That's the that yeah. was also very weird. Like I was like, "Man, this couldn't have been the worst." I think she I, I've never seen a reaction like that. She was just like, "I I don't apologize for it." To to, to act like well, it's absurd for people to be slightly irritated that you have to put on layers and layers and layers and layers to play another human being. Yeah, it's like uh, who didn't look like that, by the way. No, let's let's look. We're kind of yeah. skirting the fact that nothing they did to make her look more like no. Nina Simone made her look more no. like. Nina it just Simone. made her look like a Klingon. <laughs> it just made her look like <laughs> she was from space. <laughs> so anyway, I'm done talking about it. Fuck that movie. Uh, you turn. <laughs> Um, can we talk about how bad Suicide Squad was? Okay. Yes, that's on my list too. <laughs> there was a list. See, there you go. Um, sort of. So I guess like eventually DC might get it right, right? I don't think so. I don't know. Like that's a whole other conversation, but I feel like that's a good lead in because I remember everybody saying that for this film that this was the one that they were gonna that was gonna like right the ship that people felt like Batman versus Superman did mm-hmm. not accomplish. And it had everything going for it to be able to tap into like just the energy of what 
like a movie about villains could be. Yeah. You know, and you know the casting and all the like the, all the promotional shit was amazing. It was like all the trailers, all the like social media of all the stars, the actors, like Leto, and you know what David Ayers was putting out, and even like um, Margot Robbie. Like everybody was like teasing it so well, mm-hmm. and you know I just that was a great experience for me to go into a movie and like feel a blockbuster failing, mm-hmm. like. In steps, but the crazy part is like numbers wise, it didn't. So it makes me it did. It's nuts, right? Yeah. It, it's it's nuts to like watch a failing movie. Yeah, to f- watch an hour and a half, two hours of this shit, and be like, this is garbage. Yeah, and it do better than most movies this year. Yeah, I know. If not all, right? Like, I th- well, it's up there. It's not. It's not the highest grossing what, film. What's the What's the highest? Uh, it'll probably end up being Rogue One okay. or Finding Dory, then Rogue One. Okay. Probably. Right. 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 Or Rogue One. I don't but the know. Fact but that anyway, it's, it's, in, it's the in the top, top five. Yeah, or something I was like going to say that. But, and that's because of like the juggernaut of like a superhero movie, of marketing, yeah. of like the star power of a movie. You know, like yeah. there's a lot of factors that still yeah. make this movie successful. And I feel like there was enough for this movie for like a general audience that maybe they look past a lot of stuff that like where Batman was like, Batman vs. Superman, people felt was like really confusing and slow and boring and whatever. Like Suicide, for what it, for everything that I did wrong, like it does fairly, it does move fairly quickly to the point that it forgets the fact that like there's probably a story to tell <laughs> or like consistent characterization to put on the screen or actually having characterization for these leads. Something, you know, the exception of Will Smith and maybe Margot Robbie's character, like there's nothing memorable about the movie to me. No. And this is me speaking at yeah. all. Like she probably is a standout to mm-hmm. me of the whole film. And you know, sound a lot design of, was terrible. A lot of people like Will Smith in it. I wasn't, I didn't hate him in it. But it was cool to see him play in a movie like with other people. Although I have read a lot that like the movie was slowly built to like include more and more and more Deadshot in the film, you know, in terms of what it was reshot and how it was edited and everything. Yeah, which is a real bother to me. Yeah. But like, uh, I just hate that movie. Like, I've actually watched it again just to kind of like remind myself of like, did I really hate it or was my expectations just too high? No, man. Like, I feel like a movie, like, you, you, in this world that we live in now, where, like, a superhero movie can be, or a comic movie can be R, mm. that movie should have been R, or could have been R, and still been, like, incredibly successful, mm-hmm. you know? But I think it went for the marketing of, like, you know, the Hot Topic crowd, like you've said a couple times, and, like, you know, I guess to get them in, it can't be, and that's yeah. fine. You know, it can still be a fun film at PG-13, but I just feel like there was so much, like... Like, you, you know when you're watching a movie sometime and you feel it failing, but you also feel that, like, thing that's happening in tandem, which is that you're watching a movie that, like, was chopped up a lot or, like, yeah. changed a lot. Yeah. Or, like, something – there's something else out there that is probably a better version of this movie somehow. Yeah, yeah. And that is, like, one of the recent memories for me, like, of, of the strongest – one of the strongest recent feelings that I've had watching a movie like that. And, you know, hearing about, like, you know, the Will Smith changes and, like, how much Jared Leto's Joker was cut out. How Well, one, how disappointing that performance was. Yeah. But, like, how much it was cut out, you know, trying to put Batman in. And, you know, it's all this, all this like, tinkering. You know, like, and I get that you have to do it to, like, the sum of the parts have to be, like, the greatest possible thing to put in the theaters to a studio to make the greatest amount of money possible. Yeah. But, man, like... They missed, I feel like they missed a huge opportunity with that film. I mean, like, you talk marketing, like, like there's so many villains, characters, creations in this film that, like, 
nobody remembers. Nobody will remember. You know, like Margot Robbie and Will Smith probably are who people will remember from this film. Yeah. You know, all these other people, Diablo, Killer Croc, like these things were like completely like ridiculous honestly but but they've how do they capitalize on this because they they clearly there's some insecurity within the studio about how these movies have performed but there's also a yeah yeah we've made all this money so we're going to keep pursuing it like Zack Snyder it seems like there's a they're backing away from him at the same time as he's given them this like a world where now they've got two giant hits do you know what i'm saying yeah. doesn't that seem almost like a predicament yeah. to be in? absolutely like, like how it's a do great you, it's a great point how I mean, do you pursue that how do you like okay let's make movies that people are going to love and yet also yeah. keep this cash train flowing of the people who clearly and I'm, I'm assuming it must have been like the people that went back and saw titanic a bunch of times yep. big fans that yep. saw suicide squad two and three Multiple times. times and i definitely saw online that presence of people who were like really these vocal dc fans that for whatever reason are like mad that critics didn't like it and thought mm. the critics had all been bought off and i'm like i'm gonna buy five tickets this weekend i don't know how many of them actually yeah. do it right people but, can say what they want marvel does not have any characters in their world that equate to batman and superman i think didn't they don't they I, do not like look i know what I'm, you're saying i, mean, I, mean I know what you're saying about those merch, dollars you're right in you're terms right. of merch in terms of american culture batman and superman are those characters no, you're right you're right so it doesn't matter what they do and I think what Marvel has done, though, is like, the. I mean, I know this almost sounds like a stupid point to make, but they've done it by making films people enjoyed and that they wanted to see more of. Totally. And so, like, maybe it's a precarious thing. Maybe Captain America is only a marquee name because people like this series of movies that have been yeah, coming out. Yeah, that is it. And they like Chris Evans in the role, but, like, the name Captain America, the brand... Does not hold a candle to the brand of no. Batman. You're yes, right. Exactly. You're, you're absolutely, and I and I'm it's, a it's I, I'm a like perfect a, example but it's of like, that. But it's like Marvel. Yeah. It's like so Marvel has the task, the burden of just continuing to make yes. likable, decent films that people enjoy seeing. Right. Whereas DC has got this. They have built this, in. We've got we've got yeah. The, you know, we've they've got gold. You know, they've got a gold mine of of this property. People yeah. love this thing. It, it's a little bit like Star Wars when it was in the hands of Lucas before with the prequels. Right. They couldn't fuck it up. Those movies were still successful. Yeah. Yeah. I saw a couple of them in the theater more than once, and I didn't even like them. So I mean, yeah, I'm part of that too with certain properties. So I guess there is for Batman, for Superman, for DC. I wonder how Wonder Woman's going to perform. I wonder how The Flash is going to perform. These are movies that are a little bit off the beaten path. Even The Wonder Woman is still a bigger name than Captain America was five years ago. Yeah. DC has these yes. iconic, the Mount Rushmore of recognizable powers mm -hmm. and heroes and stuff. They, people and Marvel really is more like a long-running soap opera yes. that, that people have been fans of because of the humanity in it. Yeah. But it's not that, you know, and it's almost like a cliche, but it is true that DC's heroes are more godlike. Yeah. You will never, you will never hear someone championing some of those characters the way that they champion Batman and Superman. I, I, you know, when you like you're downtown on the weekend, people have Batman and Superman shirts on. You might oh, see yeah. a Captain America one. Captain America ha has become. What about Spider Man? Spider Man is another big one. Oh yeah, Spider -Man. Spider Man too. Absolutely, Spider Man. Spider Man would definitely be one of Spider -Man the. Spider Man is biggies. up there. Yeah, Spider Man yeah. is definitely up there. But that's it. Yeah. That's it. That that's where it stops. There's like. Two or three on the, but those two on the DC side will always trample mm -hmm. anything. I don't. I, I think it's because they've just been around for longer and what they represent and how they've been delivered to people. Mm -hmm. It's just it's gonna be a permanent part of the culture, and I and I'm wondering <clears throat> as they drive it into the ground, how it's gonna affect. Well, a everything. lot of it is like everything proof. 
You know what I yeah, mean? Like it is. Like in terms of like the property, it's mm-hmm. it's like like you said, like they're making tons of money. So like, and even you, you're mm-hmm. you know, like they're kind of in on it. Like even if they want to make changes, they know they got to keep the train going. Yeah. But you know, I guess it's like you cultivate like that nugget that you have of like this amazing property or these amazing amazing characters. By like building it out and having longevity and having like a series option and things like Marvel's done very well. Yeah. Like you were talking about Captain America, just to add to that, like I've said it before in the podcast, like I'm a perfect example of somebody who's like always loved Batman. Right, right. And going into this Marvel phase of this cinematic universe, like Captain America was not on my list of guys. Like I'm like, eh. like <laughs> right, he's right. cool, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I was all Iron Man or whatever, or mm-hmm. Spider Man I loved on the Marvel side. But through these phases, like I fucking love Captain America. So he is good. my favorite Marvel so character in these films now. Like, yeah. and it's because of the casting. It's because of the films. It's because of the humanity in the films. Yeah. And the Captain America films in these series in this uh, universe are my favorite. Some of my favorite ones. Mm-hmm. So good. They have done such a great job of building a character. So like, if you start, it's like DC has this amazing starting point. And they're kind of just treading water with it. Yeah. But Marvel like has these characters that they mm-hmm. built franchises around, and like from the ground up. Yeah. And like they have so many hands in the or what is it? So many irons in the iron, fire. Iron, yeah. Like that. And they have all so many burning. hands in the fire. That's yeah, a problem. Yeah, it's a bad idea. That's probably like what DC's got. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Like you know, and they're Ooh, all hot. and they're all hot. You know, they're all burning. Like they have yeah. all these amazing things, and it's just it's really. I, I think everybody can play on this playground. I would love to see a really great DC film. Yeah, I'm excited for one. You know, maybe it'll happen in the next year or two. But Suicide Squad was not that movie, and I am like, no. I'm actually like perplexed by people that like come out of it and say that they really enjoyed it, and even like, I mean, total opinion. I can respect it, but like saying that they enjoyed it more than Batman versus Superman, like I just don't get it. I I can't. I don't understand it. Yeah, I don't like. It, I just don't get it. Like, no. And I saw Suicide Squad. It it made me reassess. Batman versus right. Superman. The truth. I was it like, does. I actually appreciated that it had some kind of a something it was trying to say or something yeah. it was trying to do. Whereas with Suicide Squad, it really did kind of feel like it was a highlight reel. Yeah, that was that's filled a great out way by, of putting by, it. By, by cut scenes from a video game. That's exactly <laughs> it. Yeah, but that's definitely one of my worst movies of the year. Mm. What do you got, John? All right. Well, my next worst movie of the year um, is one that it's tough to say. Like. A movie that could be this well made, and this this well acted, um, and, and just in general, this like alluring, like that has the sheen of such a good movie, could be one that that really stuck in my craw. As soon as I was done watching it, there were certain things about it that I really, really didn't like. And the more I thought about it, the more it bothered me. And I finally came down to the fact that, despite everything it has going for it, I fucking hate nocturnal animals. Oh yes, me too. I thought that movie was the really? biggest pile of bullshit that, oh I've, my God. that I've seen in a theater. I didn't put it on my years. list. It's on my. It's on my other bad. So well done, and so it was, well, it's so well done. And it's gorgeous. It was, it was almost like insidiously well done. Yes, for what it was actually about. Yeah, and for what the point, the nexus of the yeah. story really is. And I've seen someone present a reading of that as that that's what the movie was about. That that pettiness. Yeah, yeah. I've of, read the same, and I don't know that I buy it. Like, I don't know that, I don't buy that the movie, because the movie doesn't present that narrative. The movie doesn't present the narrative of what, what, what motivates an artist? What, why would you, you know what I mean? Like, if the answer to the question of what motivates an artist is pettiness, I don't feel like I saw that film. What I saw was a film that said, what, what happened? What, 
what happened in the past? What unforgivable thing did this woman do? And it lured me in with this really extremely like uh, jarring and brutal and and nightmarish encounter on a, on a, on a road and in the middle of the night, like your nightmare encounter where you could not, you were watching it going, I don't, if this was me, so often you watch a movie and you go, well, I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't have said that. Watching this movie, I was going like, I, I, I feel like they're doing everything right. They're, he, this, you could do. They're, they're trying yeah. so hard. And like the guy, they're so vulnerable because of what the situation is. They're so vulnerable to so many different things. And the nightmare of what happens there and that story being so compelling in its own way. But even within that, it had shades of that, you know, another movie where we're going to have like a murder and there's going to be the naked body of a woman that's like displayed in a ritualistic fashion. I mean, it is sort of commenting on that kind of stuff, but I feel like it was kind of a dumb, it felt like kind of like a dumb person's commentary. And I know the director, Tom Ford is, is fashion, fashion guy. And he got uh, a, you know, great notices for his last movie, uh, Colin Firth, single man, single man, which was supposed to have such sensitivity to it and stuff. I didn't see it. Um, so I don't I don't know anything to compare it to, but this just sounded to me like the work of it felt like the work of one of those guys I know who has like turned like somehow he's he's found like a new way to be macho. Uh, yeah, uh, it's so it's yeah. like and it's and so by, mean. by being artistic and by being smarter than the room and everything, but that beneath it all, there's this weird like misogyny and this weird like hatred yeah. of women what we have with amy adams this year was with with uh with the arrival her other big film of the fall it was a movie that hinged on the idea of like a woman's inner life and her emotions and the decisions that she makes and and it the move the strength of the movie came from that mm-hmm. and this was a movie that i felt like wow what a thankless role for amy adams that she has to play this sort of cold hollow character she brought such fierceness to her performance but yeah. there just was nothing there it was a thankless role um and despite all the flashiness and all this really great elements of this movie including a fantastic performance from michael shannon yeah. it just tasted bad to me and without yeah. with, saying anything else would be spoiling it but when you get to the sort of reveal of what was what what what's all behind this it felt like a, just a very small-minded uh, unforgiving petty film and and i did not realize how much that would offend me in the days to come as i thought about it more and more trying to be somebody she wasn't was was essentially her her biggest crime and kind of lying to herself about who she was but it wasn't presented in a way that felt like it was i feel like the movie wanted me to hate her uh along with her ex-husband. I feel like the movie was trying to say, look at her. Look at the bed she made for herself. <laughs> yeah. Which again, you can say that you can make a mean-spirited yeah. movie that says, well, if you sell your soul, then you're done. But I, again, I don't feel like this is what that movie was trying to be. I, I you know, Maybe it was trying to do a lot of things that were actually kind of sophisticated and it kind of bungled them. But, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, I, I just really... And it's like, I, I felt so sure once I realized how I felt. I was like, oh no, this is like a rare occasion where a movie's actually doesn't have any of the marks, uh, usual marks of a bad film. Right, It's just like, philosophically, I hated it. Sure. (laughs) Um, So Nocturnal Animals. Nocturnal. Okay, so my pick, it it was going to be Suicide Squad, but I chose... Wild card. Yeah. Huh? Wild card. Wild card, man, so... Wild card, bitches! I think think we need to stop holding these great directors (sighs) to this Uh high standard. Who fell? To this bloated, shitty, shitty script to me. Um, in that movie, Silence, 
Okay, I didn't see it, but I have not. It Every, is silence, everything I've man. heard has made me feel less like I gotta go out and see it. I'll tell it's you. A, I'll tell you what stopped me, Ronald. One sure, day. Sure, sure. Two hours and forty-one minutes. Yeah. We Two talked hour. about this after yeah. we saw a split. John and yeah. I did, and like both yeah. saying like, or at least I we yeah. I said we agreed like yeah. it's completely fallen off my like I need to see this movie list. Yeah. There's a point. There's a point where. Two hours into the movie, it should be over. It fit, it, like literally the the the. Who wins, Kylo Ren or Spider Man? <laughs> <laughs> it's concluded. Like literally, the story as we know it is concluded. Or Dark and then Man. They just add something to it. They add the last forty minutes. It's just bullshit. Mm-hmm. It's just fucking bullshit. I'm so sick of people acting like because you have fifteen minutes of scenery. And, and ambient sounds that you have a fucking amazing movie. Mm-hmm. Fuck him, man. I'm so sick of that shit. I hate, <laughs> I hate that it keeps happening over and over again. Scor- Scorsese can make some amazing stuff, but this is not one. Is there a two-hour version that you would have liked a lot more? Yeah. I think that it got very jarring after a while. Like, I think that the idea of, like, uh, I think he's having, some, there's some sort of, there's some commentary about uh, whatever it is that the, the whole European, I'm going to put this on you. This is the best version of religion. Mm-hmm. This is the best ideology that exists that had, that's a really cool thing. Like that, that, that people rest on this idea that their ideologies are the best ideologies and that you're met culturally with a clash. If you try to give it to people mm-hmm. and, and, and in this case, there are tons and tons of death that come because someone wanted to do this. But a lot of it, it could have been put a lot simpler. It could have been portrayed a lot easier. Mm-hmm. I just think that it wasn't good enough to warrant two hours and 40 minutes. And maybe there was an edit of it that could have been... No, I'm just saying, is part of the problem that you felt punished by the length? I felt do you, do you pun- think you would have felt, by the length. felt better about the movie yes. if you weren't punished by the length? Yeah, yeah. I felt punished by the length. I felt punished Because that's the... where that pretentiousness kind of comes it's in. It's pretentious as shit. And, and just to give you an idea, about 20 people walked out of the movies. You know, you're like the third person I've talked to who has noted how many walked people left out of the, the theater. Movie. Like 20 people, 20 people got up and left. Wow. And at first I was like, all right, uh, you know, that's just, it's just the length. No, it's it is the content, it's the mm-hmm. way it's presented, it's the fact that it's so jarring, that it's not palatable, the yeah. fact that it's so it, it feels painful. And I'm so sick. I mean and and I like Ben Affleck. Live by Night feels like another one of those bloated scripts that you need an eye of a person outside of your your camp that can look at a thing and shave it down to something that's a little bearable. Mm-hmm. You can make a bear. Even the trailers for that movie made it look kind of bloated, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even the trailers for yeah. Live by Night. Like, I was surprised when I saw the trailer that it was his next directorial movie. Right, right. Because right. it just feels like Live by Night just didn't seem like the next step for Ben Affleck in that whatever that trajectory was. Well, it's like th- this is like him trying to make an epic film. Like right. A, yeah. I mean, I can see why you Decade would say. Decade spanning epic film. I can see why you would say, I'm going to make an epic film. Yeah. But. This subject matter just feels kind of tired. I don't know. I don't. I don't mean to get sidetracked by Live by Night, especially because I haven't seen it. But it did seem to me like I did not get a come see this from the trailers. I was intrigued, right. and I think with Silence, there were some really beautiful looking shots, and I love those actors, particularly Adam Driver, yeah. um, uh, Liam Neeson, another favorite of mine. But like, 
it just didn't. It's like I, I looked at it and it was like, man, this looks like a miserable, looks like a beautifully made miserable, miserable slog. It was a miserable movie, man. And I, and I, you know, there's a there's a part of me that that's like open to artsy. I'm, like, I'm trying I'm not like, to do that these days, though. If I yeah. if I feel like something seems like it's going to be yeah. punishing me and I'm it not like drawn me. into it, yeah. I'm like, you know what? You don't have to see everything. Yeah. You don't it, have to like everything. It was <laughs> it was hard to watch, man. It's hard weird to say to that as a as a Scorsese devotee, though, yeah. to say that like I just feel like maybe he's moved into this period where. You know, like this is a movie he's been wanting to make for decades. Didn't he also make Hugo? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Fuck him, man. <laughs> fuck him. I, I can't. I can't do it. Maybe the Mike Tyson movie will be good if he's really attached to that. If that's like a real thing, I don't know. But this is. I, I'm. I'm mad at him right now. See his success. I. I don't know. I know you've come down uh, against uh, Wolf of Wall Street since we saw it, but um, I feel like that's a movie that's got all these success, all these issues. But somehow it's still entertaining yeah, it because it it's like it's reaching out and grabbing you and shaking you and entertaining yeah, you. Absolutely. Silence to me looked like a movie that was basically going to be saying, "Oh, we're not entertaining you. We're not here to entertain you, boy." You know, yeah. <laughs> like sit and watch this. Yeah. There's a couple of great shots that I really did think I need to still see this it's movie. Um, but also, it seems like it's going to have that kind of violence and suffering. Where I don't know. Sometimes the movie just leaves me feeling worse than I want to feel. Yeah. So, all right. Yeah. Silence. Silencio. It's my last pick. My last pick, I'm not going to talk a lot about, yeah. but we can, we can, we can if you'd like. But um, I just, uh... <laughs> no, 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 I mean, like, this is genuinely a horrible film, and um, like, critically, audiences, like, I, I don't know, like, I, I, it's like one of the rare things. You look at the cast, you look at the time of year it comes out, and you wonder how did you fuck it up? Like, you really do. You, you're talking about a cast that, let's start from the bottom up. We got Michael Pena. Um, somebody who's been nominated for Oscars and won Oscars. You got Edward Norton, Kate Winslet. Ah, uh, yes. Kieran Knightley, Helen Mirren, and and Mr. Will Smith. Right. So like, oh. four or five out of those six Fresh people. Fresh off a big Suicide Squad right, win. Like he's killing it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so apparently, uh, so you know all this amazing cast. Like if you just talk about these people, they're mm. they're they're. I think most people will agree. The majority of them are great actors or actresses. Mm-hmm. And if you saw the trailer, you were like, what, what are they doing on Hallmark or, <laughs> what, or in Lifetime? What did Hallmark or, have on these people and their agents? They're that, being blackmailed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's just like you look at this and they're, all, the, all the marketing, it's like Academy Award winner, nominee, winner, nominee, yeah. winner, nominee. Yeah. Coming out right before Christmas. You know, <laughs> family, give me your tears. Yeah. I mean, and, and honestly, like... Going into the film, like I had no interest in seeing the movie because of that marketing and the trailer I thought was like horrible. And was this the movie you're referencing earlier? Yes. Okay, good. Um, and man, when this I heard is a horrible film, I not mean, just in quality, but in moral morals. Like just when what I heard the movie what it's is actually saying. about. Yeah, I don't normally do that. I don't normally do the spoil. Even if it's a movie that I think I'm not gonna like, I try not to read. <laughs> about what happens in it to mm-hmm. ruin it for me. But this was a case where I was like, I was so intrigued by the way yeah. someone was positioning it. Like, wait till you believe, you won't believe what this movie's actually about. Yeah. And I was like, really? okay, I have no idea from the trailer what it's actually about. But what the trailer seemed to sell was a sort of metaphysical kind of magical world where this guy was meeting the physical embodiment. Like a Christmas like carol. Love and time and that kind of stuff. It looked like a sappy version of that. <laughs> but I remember when we passed that trailer around, we were all like, is this going to be like, a, a, a legit tearjerker or is this garbage you know yeah. we couldn't we couldn't tell uh and and not only are you saying it's garbage but that it was it's like it's a bait and switch right like they totally it's it's like it's all these things it's it's heavy-handed okay it's ding 
It's horribly heavy-handed. Like it ding, is ridiculous. Ding. <laughs> okay. Like how much it tries to make yeah. you understand that you should be crying right now. Oh, like it's that, and it's um, a horrible script. It's got. You talk about nocturnal animals being mean mm-hmm. or like dark or what I use the word mean when I'm trying yeah. to describe that film. This movie, if you understand it except what this movie is, it is fucking mean. Hey everybody, this is John just interrupting to let you know that Steve is about to go on an incredibly spoiler-filled rant about the film Collateral Beauty. It is entertaining to listen to, but if you have any desire to have that movie be unspoiled for you, you might want to jump ahead to about one hour and 30 seconds into this episode. Otherwise, please stick around and listen because it's fun to hear Steve get mad. It's this guy's best friends faking... No. The letters he's writing to these abstracts so that he can be removed from the company. Right. And they don't lose their money and they don't lose the company. They're like trying to gaslight him into proving that They're he's They're gaslighting insane. him into proving that he's lost his capability to be a majority stake owner in this company by intercepting these letters that he's mm-hmm. mailed to time, was it time, love, and death. These three things that he always talked about. Are these? Are and, these... and they hire actors. <laughs> That's what I thought. Oh, they no. They hire actors to act out the letters that they intercepted to make him... And, and they film his interactions with these people. And they digitally remove them from the videos to use as to leverage. To make them seem crazy. Yes. Yes. But wait, Ronald. Because the movie ends... And you know what? Everybody needed some time with love, time, and death because they weren't actors. They were really, really abstract, metaphysical ghost things. So they hired, they hired ghosts. <laughs> I could try to... Let me try this again. So, so they hired ghosts. So I didn't realize they Keira hired Knightley ghosts. is love. Okay. Helen Mirren is death. Mm. and I, the young actor's name I, I've never seen him before I, he, he looked familiar but I can't remember his name is Time okay. so you have Michael Pena Edward Norton and uh, uh, <laughs> Kate Winslet as the three best friends I can't believe those three the three best friends that anybody could have I can't believe right? those three actors are in a movie and it's terrible and they're all terrible in it like I can't oh, what I mean like, John you have no clue but I mean those three actors if Why you were to they? say this is the best movie I've ever seen and it stars Kate yeah. Winslet Edward Norton and Michael Pena, and I'd be like, I believe you. You don't have to convince yeah, me. Yeah, done. Yeah. Even no. throwing Will Smith and Helen Mirren, I'd still be thinking, holy cow. But dude, seriously, oh my God, it makes me so angry just talking about this movie. It sounds terrible. Like, they find this in, I don't care if I'm fucking spoiling anything. I'll, yeah, I'll put a little warning in. I don't in. care. I don't, you can. Well, I will, just for uh, yeah, fun. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, I actually don't want people to see this film, so you can yeah. let it spoil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, right. so like literally, so you know, because <laughs> yeah, I, I care about you, and yeah. I don't want you to waste your time. No, I knew that much. <laughs> yeah. However, Steve, I was very tempted. I, to I didn't get know it. the final. Like, kick. Yeah, I know you didn't. I didn't know the final. I know kick. you didn't. Okay, because what happens is, so it was a bait and switch and, and switch, and I'm even hiding one more twist. Oh, there's there's a twist at the end of this that even M Knight would shake a stick would, would shake his head at. Really? Okay. So so when they hire these three actors. To represent these three abstracts that Will Smith writes these letters to because he's given up on life after the death of his child. Mm-hmm. Horrible topic to even fuck around with, right? Yeah, yeah. And what you what you come to understand is that each of them developed their this little one-off relationship with each of the actors. Edward Norton is bonding with Keira Knightley, the love person. Edward Norton's divorced. He has a kid. He has no love in his life. Uh, you know, the, the guy who's playing Time... Bonds with uh, uh, um, Kate Winslet because she's 
she's she's a workaholic and she's older and she hasn't had kids yet and she doesn't she doesn't think she has enough time mm-hmm. to have kids anymore. And Ellen Mirren bonds with Michael Pena, whose character is actually dying of a disease that he hasn't told his family about yet. <laughs> Meanwhile, they're all trying to make Will Smith look like a crazy guy <laughs> so that they can basically kick him out of the company and and save their asses. That's so this is all happening. This yeah. is like one this is one Four or thing. five yeah. too many things to put into John, a movie. but there's like seven more. There's <laughs> really? seven more, John. Oh my god. And then you realize Will Smith is going to these meetings for grieving parents and it's hosted by the beautiful Naomi Harris. Okay. And you're like, oh, maybe they're gonna like get a relationship. Maybe she's gonna help him come out of his show. All this goes on, he's so sad. Well, you find out that that's actually his ex-wife. And they lost a child together. And the revelation comes when he goes to her house and watches a video of him swinging their dead daughter around and smiling and laughing. That's the reveal. She's already dead in the video? No. <laughs> she's some bones? <laughs> yeah, just... that, that's why they split up, obviously. <laughs> I feel like an asshole just explaining all this. Like, you know, Steve, even actually, though going into it, if they had that different opinion of the film. <laughs> they could have removed him from the board. Right, yeah. <laughs> they didn't need this whole she's thing. She's just bones in a, in a swing. <laughs> I feel like that's what I guess everything. I said I wasn't going to say anything about this movie, but I'm so angry right now talking about it again. <laughs> That's and, terrible, and, and, and what the best part, though, is that all these things happen, and you get this moment at the end where, like, you know, the three people or the, the, the three people are standing <laughs> on this bridge, and Naomi Harris and Will Smith, they're back together. They're happy again. Mm. They walk under this bridge, and you see the, the characters watching them, and they turn around, and the characters aren't there the whole time. They were actually fucking, I don't even know, ghosts. Oh, man. But this is like a big holiday feel good movie put out by really a major sick. motion picture studio yeah i mean this is one of the worst films i've experienced in a long time because of how fucking irresponsible it is mm-hmm. like the relationships that these <laughs> friends have with him is horrible mm-hmm. the the like how insensitive they are about those kinds of things yeah. like yeah the gaslighting comment like is exactly it like just making their friend look crazy to save their own asses, knowing what their friend has gone through. Right. You know, and this is a guy that and built the, this and, company. And yet that doesn't automatically make them villains that you're supposed to hate. It's right. Like, and and, and, and the, because of these little one-off relationships that you get that you're learning all these important things about these three friends. Mm-hmm. And they really, truly sort of become the focus of the movie for a while. And you're like, oh, she's helping him with his love problem. Oh, okay. He's encouraging her that she has time to still have a child. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and she's telling Michael Pena, you need to share the, you know, y- y- your illness with your family. It was, oh my God, man, it makes me so angry. What makes me even angrier is that people, like at the screening that I was loved at, it. They probably were loved it. so into it. And I just feel like this is what's wrong. Like, what is wrong? This is what's wrong with this, like, people and this society. Like, that. that's, ha- like, that either the people that make this film are, like, onto something or they know exactly how to, like, oh, push a button. Yeah. But, I mean, like, there's so much wrong with this movie. And at the top of it all is just the idea that there's so much talent involved in this yeah. film. And it's a waste, man. Some amazing, amazing people. And, uh... I'm sorry for anybody that hasn't seen it. If John puts a tag on this, that I just told you the whole film, but um, you know, it's been out for like two months or three months or whatever it is, and 
it's out of theaters, so <laughs> I, I don't feel bad I mean, at You've all. never done that before. You know, man, like, because I really hated it. <laughs> the more I think about the movie, like, when we were doing this list, like, I, I like, was revisiting some notes that I took when I saw it, mm-hmm. and just, like, how wrong. And I'm glad he mentioned Nocturnal Animals, because that caught me thinking about, like, yeah. mean movies. Mm-hmm. And I just remember feeling like, I did not feel emotional about this movie at all. I just thought these people were mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that this is, there, there's, like, a negative current going through this film of, like, what you are supposed to be feeling, like, positive and growth and, like change and things mm-hmm. and it was like he just needs new friends you know or right. like so it's weird so collateral beauty is about a bunch of people that were supposed to find uh, forgivable doing unforgivable things exactly. whereas nocturnal animals is all about a woman doing something that i think is very forgivable <laughs> and but, the movie is positing he, yeah. it as the most evil thing in the world yeah. to possibly do right um well for my final slot <clears throat> I, I i really did we made a little joke going into this i was talking about how many movies were were catching my uh my hate this year and you've said something about that i might have to do a little walkering i don't know that i'm actually going to do a full walkering on this oh, category no. <laughs> but i am going to say that the two movies that i could walker in this category are unified by one thing okay and that is that it's almost unfair for me to put them on this list because i should have known i should have known when i sat down to watch these movies mm-hmm. that i was going to hate them almost from the first frame to the last frame, mm. and they did not disappoint in that aspect. So Rob Zombie and Kevin Smith, oof, your your record is is complete. I I still hate. I think Rob Zombie. That's like maybe one and a half movies that I find tolerable. Maybe Kevin Smith. I'd have to go far back to see. But I don't see how these guys get movies made. Yeah, man. Since I am going to, I will just say Rob Zombie's 31 is a terrible piece of shit. And it's like, it's so bad. It's so annoying. It's the most annoying person you've ever met telling you a really bad idea for a movie. (laughs) Like drunkenly um, yelling in your ear. Uh, So that's garbage. But let's let's spend a little bit more time (laughs) on uh, on Kevin Smith with Yoga Yoga Hosers. Um, Did you see it, Steve? Yeah. What is going on? I have no clue. Like, he hates film now he hates audiences he hates he hates the idea of, Why is he of doing entertaining this? people it's i can totally hear i watched the person, a review of it and i felt <laughs> i was angered by that i can totally hear the people that i know that like him saying hey man he gets to do what he wants he's got his own little empire yeah, yeah. and he back to what we were saying at the beginning of this episode yeah he makes movies. He's been productive. He's been prolific. You know, I made a short film when I was at the age where he made his first movie. I have made, since then, another short film. And it's been that amount of time. <laughs> He's made however many films, yeah. 12 movies, you know, so whatever. I tip my hat to that. But why? What is the goal of making these movies that are indifferent to quality, indifferent to... I mean, he's he's famously, like thin-skinned when it comes to critics and he's kind of calls out critics he's one of those guys who like doesn't seem to a lot of filmmakers don't seem to understand like the value of film criticism as something that kind of complements the art of filmmaking now there are a lot of quote-unquote reviewers that are really not that sharp and they write these snarky dismissals of things you know but the idea of criticism being like your enemy i can see that being an intensely personal thing as a filmmaker but critics are not i mean there may be some that have an axe to grind 
with a certain genre of film or they don't like movies that are mainstream. But in general, critics just want to see a good movie. Yeah. And so this whole notion of being like anti-critic, yeah. I don't quite, I, I've never liked that argument of, well, you didn't make the movie, so you can't say anything about it. It's like, no, if we use that, then no one would ever be able to criticize right. anything. And you only want to hear people praise your movie? I right. I mean, that's super weird to me. So he makes these movies that are designed to irritate critics and designed to alienate people that aren't already in his club. Yeah. And then his movie in this case is actually partially about critics and it's yeah. like got it reminds me of um the Lady in the Water, the M. Night Shyamalan oh, movie right. that had like a character who was a critic who was like the villain of the piece because he didn't understand beauty or art or whatever. But like, I don't even think Kevin Smith, whereas M. Night, I think actually did believe he was like an oracle sent from a distant time to lead <laughs> us into a new age. I think Kevin Smith is sitting there laughing up his he's hockey like jersey sleeve. Us, right? Yeah, he's like, he's like, won't this be hilarious? People will yeah, hate this. Right, anyone right. And anyone who hates it, well, the joke's on them. But he's the one that made a movie where he plays a little talking sausage that wants to jump up his daughter's butt. That's actually a scene in the movie mm. where he plays a little... I mean, but everything about it is like, this was funny when you and your stone friends were saying, what if we did this? What if we did that? But then when you're actually making the movie and you're not even really sincerely trying to make it good, like, I find that so... I just find that offensive, like, creatively offensive. And I know that he is... You know, a genuine guy in a sense. I know that he's like a regular guy. He's not like one of the Hollywood kind yeah. of phonies or whatever. <clears throat> right. So I know that he probably, on some level, has some joy or takes some pleasure in in making these movies. But it seems like they are wrapped up in the sheen of, um, uh, again, aren't aren't you stupid if you thought this movie was going to be good? Aren't you stupid if you thought I cared about making a good movie? Right. So, without saying anything about the movie outside of the fact that he plays a, a little Nazi sausage that is sentient and wants to not just go up his daughter's butt, but the butt of everyone in town, Ronald, there's a problem with these little Nazi sausages, you see. They, they are attacking people and, and going in their butts to kill them, Ronald. Isn't that hilarious? It's not funny at all. Doesn't that sound like something that like three annoying stone guys at a party would be laughing their heads off at, yeah, though? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So who's he playing to? I guess it's those guys. <laughs> you know those three guys but no I just I mean I feel like I'm not in on the joke on this one but yeah. when the best thing in your movie is Johnny Depp doing a horrible French accent <sighs> as Guy Lapointe like the really but the only only little pockets of potential true humor in that were the fact that I don't think anybody on set or in the film process did, does not think that Johnny Depp is doing a horrible accent and an unbelievable character. So there must be some intentional humor in that, yeah, right, yeah. Steve? Like, that character's supposed to be silly There has funny. to be. I mean, obviously, I'm pretending to not get it. it. It is silly. It is trying to be funny. And there are moments where a, a part of me wanted to admire the kind of balls of making such a movie. But, I mean, it's just like Tusk times 10. It's just, it's just this guy gets to make a movie, and here's what he wanted to make, and so here it is. And if you don't like it, great. If you like it... Then I, you know, doesn't he? Isn't he always threatening to quit? Isn't this this new thing that it's like every movie yeah. is his last movie or something? Yeah. This should be his last movie. He should be taken out. Taken out like killed. <laughs> I'm gonna leave it open. <laughs> to be taken out. I'm just gonna tell you. I'm giving Jack Reacher his number and all of his coordinates. <laughs> he should be taken out. Damn man, I'm sorry. I remember you guys talking about it on another episode, but I didn't know. Really but I mean, I watched deep. it, and that's yeah. why I brought up the Rob Zombie would, movie I, at the same I time. Refused, is I man. put both of those movies on, going, "Well, I don't like this director's work. Let's see what they're doing here." You right. know, so 
That was the closest I came to watching a movie so that I could talk about it on this episode. I almost went to see um, Collateral Beauty because it sounded so intriguingly yeah. bad. Uh, and I also almost dug up Nine Lives to watch because I was like, well, maybe we're going to talk about it. I couldn't do it. No, I can't believe it. that, that would, it survived this episode. Yeah, I know. Well, yeah. none of us dared to see it. <laughs> no. No, I refuse. I refuse. Oh, man. So does anybody want to throw out the name of any other movies that, that you didn't you really. thought were going to come up? Not for me. No, I'm good. I'm a little surprised that Blair Witch didn't come up for us, but I think that in the end, when I looked at some of these other movies, it wasn't offensive enough to make, make my I've seen a couple list. people with that in their top ten of the year, which makes really? me uncomfortable. But yeah, I don't have anything else to talk about. I'm, I'm, I am irritated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a very bad list of bad movies. Right. A little so. surprised to see uh, no mentions of Neon Demon from you. Did you just not even watch no, it? No, no interest. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> nope. I still haven't seen it. I still want to see it. Though. I saw it. <laughs> it was two slots above my my bottom five. Okay. <laughs> so. Okay. So not great, but I mean, I started to feel what with Neon Demon. I started to feel some of what you felt with uh, Only God Forgives, yeah. of just like what an empty stylistic exercise it was. Mm. <laughs> but anyway, another guy like Tom <sighs> Ford who can put together like a shot, can put together sure. a sequence, yeah. and it really makes you think you're watching something great. But I'm tired of movies just being slow. Like the thing you said about the scenery and yeah. everything. Like the the camera moving slowly down a hallway while nothing's happening. It's like, I don't need that. No. no. It doesn't impress me. Fuck it. As Shania Twain once said, that don't impress me much. <laughs> it's a wise woman. <laughs> it's very, very wise. Listen to her. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's it that's a cool list that's it yeah stay away stay if you away haven't from already all seen these. them I'm sorry you saw them but if you haven't I appreciate you're your plot summary <laughs> <laughs> I think you saved us all from in, like yeah. having any lingering curiosity about it I you mean know? you know maybe you want to experience it one day just uh maybe <laughs> fill in the blanks that I'm not doing a, a good job of doing but uh yeah that's a definitely hmm horrible horrible okay well that's the worst of 2016 yeah <sighs> thanks for listening so now we get to talk about other things that was us holding yeah. 2016 at arm length with our nose held Pinch, as we yeah. found a trash can that we could throw it into. Mm-hmm. Something yeah. with a lid, hopefully. hopefully. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, so... so chunk Bye-bye. Yeah, bye. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, that's episode 180. <laughs> and we're going to... I think we're going to maybe do a, a quick episode in a couple of days. Maybe yes. to get some information out on the new movie Split. Mm-hmm. Uh, M. Night Shyamalan's film uh, that comes out today. Yes. Um, so hopefully you'll have some time to check that out by the time we get that review out. And then... Uh, if there's still a world, I don't know what happens maybe after this we'll day. we'll see. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you and me both, man. And then the week after, we'll have our, our favorites of 2016. So it's going to be a, a cool... A busy week. week. Yeah, yeah. So get excited. We have a lot of stuff coming out. Um, so you watch your feed for that split review. And, and uh, then, yeah, get ready for the, the episode. Like, this is what we get out of the way so that we can really enjoy yeah. the best of episodes. Have fun with it. Yes. Um... You can find us at MovieSchMovie.com, Facebook, iTunes, Google Music, anything like that. We're, mm-hmm. we're probably there. Uh, if you can leave us a review or rate us on iTunes, we'd really appreciate that also. And uh, that's about it for me. Until next time. You made us gay? <laughs> Safe happies. Some, somebody come in. <laughs> Safe happies. Bye. That don't impress me much.